I got a brand new baby at home and I got a two-year-old that I'm taking all kinds of medical appointments and going to children's hospitals and doing the whole thing and trying to effectively run a meeting about somebody's friggin' social media page was like, just not, I was not going to be in it. Like I just didn't have it. I was going to do a bad job of it. Hey, podcast listener, even if you are alone in your entrepreneurial journey, know that today, right now in your earbuds, you are joined by thousands of entrepreneurs from all around the globe seeking to grow better, more profitable location-independent businesses. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and download our entire back catalog, check out tropicalmba.com. Happy Thursday morning, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. This is the home of the seven-figure lifestyle business. Actually, that phrase, the seven-figure lifestyle business, helped me to double down on this pod this year in terms of the branding. Part of what we wanted to do with a rebrand, and I've talked about this a little bit, is make the pod more serious or represent the types of people that are listening to it. And our business, you know, we have a multi-seven-figure business now, I'm proud to say. And that's the sort of content we're producing. And I don't know, maybe few years ago, we thought, I don't know, TMBA, does that really serve that market? And after talking to a lot of you guys, the answer was resoundingly yes. We are building seven-figure lifestyle businesses. That's ambitious enough. And for a lot of us, we're ambitious in terms of our time, in terms of our location. And part of the theme of today's episode, I don't know if I mentioned it on the show, but I'm in Barcelona right now. And it's actually my last day here. I'm getting on a flight tomorrow morning to head back to Austin. And the idea that I could just, I don't know, we had an idea over the break, like, let's just spend the holidays in Barcelona. And wouldn't that be nice? And the fact that our business doesn't really miss a beat and we get to experience this amazing city, that's part of the reason why we do what we do. Looking forward to getting back to Austin, by the way, and having a little bit more chill beginning of the year than last year. Last year was so travel happy. I'm going to basically be laying low and building towards our first big event of the year. That's DC Mex in April. That's going to be April 21st to the 23rd in Mexico City. And one of the most exciting things about that event is our first 20 companies in DC Scale, which is sort of our group cohort-based training community where we're implementing scale techniques together. We'll be meeting at our first mastermind there in Mexico City. So a lot of exciting things here at the pod and underneath the pod coming down the pike in the next few weeks and months. So anyway, Back to this idea of being ambitious about our time. I mean, it creates a lot of hope for those of us thinking about growing a business, but also a lot of anxiety for those thinking about leaving it. Like I've built this precious business that gives me so many of the things I've dreamed about in my life. What will happen if I abandon it for other precious things like taking parental leave or maybe an epic bike ride or two, or maybe just take some time for mental health or to spend time with loved ones? Will my business be there when I return? And that's what today's show is about. It was sparked by a post in our online forum and wonderful community of the DC. And it went a little something like this. We'll insert quotation marks. In a couple of months, I'm going to be on paternity leave for three months. I'm going to try to use this time to get everything in order so things can carry on working without me and I wondered if any DCers had advice from someone doing something similar. Now, that post was from Sam Floyd, and we're going to hear about him in a little bit and how it actually went down. But first, there were some great responses to Sam and others who had been there before. And one of our favorite responses came from Neil Callanan, who founded the digital marketing agency Loose Grip 
and who I recently brought up on the show. So I thought it would be really cool to give him a call and have him on the pod. Well, I've done it basically three times now, right? And I would say two of which were kid-related and one was more, I just needed a full break and was remodeled my house. So like spent three months doing a a remodel just because I felt like I needed to get away from screens for a little while. When you say kids-related, do you mean it was like a paternity leave? So the first one was just a typical paternity leave. Typical meaning I took some time off, right? But I wanted to use it as an opportunity to really see what my business was actually like without me being involved. And I'm raging micromanager that I'm continually trying to tamp down. And so I needed to find ways to see what my team could really do if I got out of the way. So our first kid, who's five now, my wife was in her medical residency. So she got like six weeks, right? So we basically had to either throw our kid in daycare at six weeks, which new parents will understand is insane because America... Or I had to take some time off, right? And so I just chose to take some time off. So I took like kind of two, three months off then. And my rule of thumb was basically I told my team to text me when they needed me rather than Slack, et cetera. Email is not really a big thing for us. but And I told all of my clients in advance that I'd be doing this, this leave. I would say the thing that worked best was to kind of prime my clients very early and often right? Like little out of office message of like, at the not out of office, uh, like in my signature, expecting to be out of the office from this time to this time. Did you have like transition meetings where you call up a client and say like, hey, here's Jack's on the phone. He's going to be taking over. No. And I think the nature of that is I have good relationships with our customers. So none of them want to be the guy that says like, what do you mean? Get back to work, dude. You got to have a, I don't care if you had a kid, right? Like they, they're good people. The people we work with, they're good people. And so And for a lot of them, I'd previously helped them when they went out on leave or something, right? Like there'd been times where we had covered for them when they were doing something and we helped a project moving forward. So how did these sabbaticals proceed? Like you had another paternity leave and then you had the man break. So the second one was a little different, right? So the second one was basically, so both of my kids are epileptic. And when my second kid was born, we weren't really sure if he was going to be epileptic in general. This was raging peak COVID 2020. So now we have a three-year-old with epilepsy and a three-month-old with epilepsy. And it was just a lot, right? And it was one of those things where I think I was able to say to my team, like, I'm not effective right now. You guys got to figure this out. And I did much less planning, prepping. The nature of it being a little bit more emergent meant they had to figure it out. And I've been conscious that I wanted to be able to do this kind of thing, regardless of the health stuff. And I also knew that like, I got a brand new baby at home and I got a two-year-old that I'm taking all kinds of medical appointments and going to children's hospitals and doing the whole thing and trying to effectively run a meeting about somebody's friggin' social media page was like, just not, I was not going to be in it. Like I just didn't have it. I was going to do a bad job of it. And then it was interesting. So the third was a little bit inspired by those two. Both of my kids, we've kind of settled into their medical routines and their medication stuff and they have pretty consistent low-lying levels of seizures, right? So fairly few and far between, maybe four a year. But you got to learn how to get good at that. So then once we got kind of good at that, understanding when to go to the hospital, when not to, how to deal with doctors, how to push back on meds, all that stuff. I realized like, oh, I really liked this break and my team seemed to get better. 
And I think they got better because I was not there. And so they just had to figure stuff out. And I would say for me, I was a connector of all these different people who were remote. There was like, I'd say, if you just looked at one of those maps of like, you know, the mind maps of who talks to who and when. I, I do. Was like, I just mm. built one yesterday. <laughs> I, I was like literally the middle of all the things. <laughs> so I just felt like the team didn't honestly know each other that well. Right. And so wow. now they all had to start talking directly to each other when they needed stuff. And they had a, a way to reach out to me. And so I was inspired. This guy, um, I think his name is Stefan Sagermeister. I'll send you a link. He's got this TED talk on a, a seven-year sabbatical. So he's this like kind of high-end designer. And he takes a year off every seven years of his career. And he's got this whole like reason why he does so. Try to not spend all his free time when he's 85 years old or whatever. But then he showcases all the things that came out of that for his business. So he shuts his business down every seven years. And then he shows up like what came of that the next go around, right? Inspiration from a design standpoint. He like goes to Nepal and comes back with Literally like goes to Bali and like learns how to carve furniture or something, right? Like, So you're a three-time sabbatical guy. I mean, I could list a 10 fears that I have right now about going on a three-month sabbatical. A lot of them have to do around various business corrosion fears. What was warranted and what was unwarranted? I would say for most people, maybe this is a male thing, you are less important than you think you are, right? And that was abundantly clear. And so I like to feel important and I like to feel like my clients need to talk to me and they need to see me and that I need to set the direction for our team when working on a creative project or a software thing. Turns out that's not actually true at all, right? Like the team did great without me. Clients didn't feel a dip, really. I think I learned that I was less important. And what that allowed me to do is think about, well, where am I actually important? Like, what is my skill that is unique to our team? And I think it brought some clarity to me on that because you kind of see, okay, the project's going to keep moving forward if I'm not involved. The clients were pretty happy. But then you can start to see, okay, well, what were some of the downsides? And for us, the downsides were primarily, or I have a learned or maybe inherent ability to kind of see around corners a little bit. So I can like read through the subtext of an email from a corporate client. Mm. Like "Mm, the way that they said that makes me think they don't think they're going to renew the contract next year. Like I just have a spider sense for that stuff that I think my team doesn't have. But I don't think they would have ever had a chance to get it if they didn't have to try to learn it, right? I was not important to the day-to-day operations of our business. I think I am pretty important to the seeing the subtext this of our six clients seems most likely to like be impacted by a financial downturn. My team was not really prepared to look at that kind of stuff without my being involved. The existential dread stuff. Yeah, like all the anxiety. They couldn't manufacture my anxiety for themselves, right? They don't have the, on, the right. ongoing. Like, and maybe that's the reality is that honestly, we joke, but it might just be that if you are not the business owner, you can't inherently feel the stress of the bills not getting paid Chief six months from officer. now, right? Yeah, yeah. And so like, <laughs> you know, maybe 50% of my paranoia is totally wrong, but 50% of it is right. I don't know. I would say the things I learned are that I'm less important and the team will rise to the occasion if you hire the right people. Well, here's an opposite fear, Neil. You know, when you leave the business for three months, is there the fear that, the team thinks you don't value the business that much. So why are they there if you're not showing up anymore? How did that play out? I guess they were ready for me to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> I joke, but uh, I'm kind of not joking, right? 
What's true, a lot of our employees don't like us as much as they like the job and the work. I've definitely noticed that. And is it important that they do, right? Maybe I think of it, when I'm in it, I think of it as very important that everybody on my team is fulfilled with my style of leadership and all that stuff, right? Maybe that doesn't matter. Maybe if they like their job, they do their job well, and we pay them well, then everything else is fine. We don't have to be friends, right? That for me is easier to see with a month away from it than it is when I'm in it. Like if I'm talking to somebody, sometimes you pull your punches a little bit and you say, you're giving somebody a grade on their performance. When you're doing that and you're in it day to day, it's hard to do that without the built-in baggage of, but you want them to feel happy and you want them to like you. And yeah. you, there's you know a lot of interpersonal stuff that goes into just like, maybe you're pulling your punches a little bit for somebody who's underperforming or maybe you're letting the annoyance of personal reactions get in the way of letting you see that some team member is actually crushing it and you just can't really see it because they annoy you and their personality doesn't mesh with yours or something, you know? The trendy term right now is this incredible forcing function for you to discover important truths about your business. So for those that want to follow in your steps, what's your quick start guide to taking a sabbatical in your business? What's the critical things here? Or are we just over-babying this thing? I think you used the right analogy. You are over-babying this thing. Like there is no time when it is the right time to be a parent and you can try to be prepared and you're so wrong (laughs) and you don't even have any idea what you're wrong about, right? And honestly, you can try to prepare and do all that, you know, get the house baby-proofed. That doesn't help you when a human comes out of your wife and you have to figure out how to keep that human alive. The fact that you have added baby gate at the top of the stairs doesn't actually (laughs) reduce that anxiety at all. And so I'm a believer in the Band-Aid method. I think you got to do it. I think you got to set a date. You got to do it. And you can always undo it. So like it's not, if your business will fail, if you're gone for a month, you don't have a business, you have a job. If you can't stop doing it for one month, then your team is either not good or you haven't let them be good, right? And so I think it's a kind of, it tells you who you are pretty quickly, you know? Honestly, for me, when people ask me about this kind of thing is, you do got to spend some time in your process, right? You got to make sure you have SOPs, people understand what is expected of them clearly Mm -hmm. and use it as an opportunity that you should have all these things anyway, right? You should have clearly defined roles. You should have clearly defined policies for how quickly you respond to customers, how you deal with poor feedback, how team members communicate to each other and when all that stuff, you should have Expectations written down, yeah. Right. And maybe you didn't. I'm not sure we did, right? We might not have the first time I went, but it forces you to spend some time. That doesn't have to be a month to do, right? You can do that in a couple of days. Like spend, just write down what people do and what the expectations are. So use it as an opportunity to clarify roles and responsibilities and encourage people to rise to the occasion. And I would say, for me, the lesson has been, don't try to get them to do it exactly the way I would do it. Hey, we got to keep this client happy. What does that look like for you, right? Hey, we got to decide what feature we're going to add to the software. How do you guys think we should do that? And let them run with it. And sometimes it's not going to be directly in line with what you would have done, but it provides... pick your battles. Well, and you'll find that their idea probably was maybe not in line with what you wanted to do, but maybe a better idea than what you wanted to do, right? And so it works better because you weren't involved. And then once you see that happen a couple of times, you can go, my value is not in these meetings. And in some cases, I have negative value to my team's ability to just 
naturally coexist with each other. I think it makes it fresher. Honestly, I come back with less baggage about customers. Yeah, you come back with the wood carving, the house is remodeled. You got these fresh CEO ideas. Yeah. And so I would say, honestly, there's a, my last piece of advice would be think about your transition back to your team, right? I didn't spend any time thinking about that. And I think you don't have to know that when you start the sabbatical, but your one job during the sabbatical is figuring out how to weave yourself back into your team so that you don't just undo everything that they've done while you've been gone, right? I'm coming too hot. You need to come in slow and you need to come in, you know, so maybe you come in a day a week, right? Or you come in an hour a day or you don't get involved in client meetings, but you join your team meeting once a week or whatever that might be. If you are the business owner, you can quickly get everybody back to their old shitty habits quickly, right? If they've come up with some new ways to, you know, we have a, we run our business on Traction, the Traction EOS. And so we have a weekly traction call, Rocks Call. It's so much better now, right? It used to be an hour, 90 minutes. We would be brutal. And then when I was gone, they figured out how to do it in like 22 minutes. And they do not want to go back to my version of that call, right? So now we had to say, okay, well, maybe somebody else should run the call. Don't go back. You didn't do it so you could go back to the exact same business that you had before. You did it so your business could, you could see how it evolved and how you evolved and where they match back up. As founders of remote companies, we all face hiring challenges like hiring today instead of next week or next quarter, scaling our teams quickly, and even just defining what we want in a candidate, where to find them, how much to pay them, and how to recruit them. There's a lot of questions. Hiring's complicated, but it doesn't need to be with RemoteFirstRecruiting.com. It's a service from our team where we help founders like you solve these hiring hangups. Even if you're not hiring today, you got to take advantage of our 15-minute free strategy call. It's with our senior recruiter, Greg Valentine. He's not a sales guy. He's a senior recruiter, industry expert, and he's helped place hundreds of remote candidates and companies just like yours. He can discuss with you the patterns we're seeing in the marketplace, share with you case studies, and talk about how you can build a rock-solid hiring strategy. Hiring doesn't need to be hard. Let our team do the heavy lifting. TMBA listeners, take advantage of this strategy call. It's a simple way to grow a better business. So head on over to our site, remotefirstrecruiting.com, where we believe hiring the right talent is the best way to grow a great remote business. Schedule a call with our team today at remotefirstrecruiting.com. My name's Sam Floyd. I run a company called CoFruition, and we do full-service podcasting for B2B companies. It'd always been like when my wife and I had spoken about starting a family, it was not just going to be, this is my wife's job, and then I'll just be there on the sidelines. It was like, we're going to raise this child together. And we live in Denmark, so we basically have 12 months paternity and maternity leave to share. And so it was always going to be that I would take at least three months. So I took sort of six weeks at the beginning together with her. And then she had another five or six months. And then I was always going to have three months so that she could go back to work. Sam, we're both big fans of blogs. So let's make a circa 2013 listicle. How to take a three-month break from your business. Guest post by Sam Floyd. What sources of information, inspiration, like I'm thinking like what were your planning phases and what did you start mm. to do to like roll out this break? I mean, 90 days, I'm shaking in my boots. Yeah. So 
I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, yeah, thankfully by that stage, I didn't really do operations. At least with one of my employees, I could say, thanks, new client, CCing Patrick, who will take things from here. You had a solid account manager. Solid account manager who can basically do it. And then I was like, okay, we've just got one. So we'll do Anna as well. So we sort of did a, a dry run with Anna and Anna learned how to do it as well. So I had like two account managers. Anytime a new client came in, it was like, boom. From that point, I didn't really need to be involved unless there was something out of the ordinary. We'll maybe touch on that. So basically during that 90 days, I made a list of all of these requests. Oh, the client has done an interview slightly longer than an hour that we normally agree. What do we need to pay the freelancer a little bit more? And I was like, hmm, okay. So I was like, here is my answer and please write down this answer. So you got ahead of like things that you felt might come up. Or things that were coming up. Got a new podcast. How do we decide how much we pay the producer and how much we pay the mm. editor? And I was like, okay, well, before we sort of just discussed this or we've had these rules of thumb, it's like, okay, let's make a table. And like when it's this type of podcast, it's this. When it's this type of podcast, it's this. And if interviews go over by an hour, we pay this much extra and this much extra. Got it. And so it was like, what are all these questions that are coming up? And then another one would be paying invoices. People would send invoices to my inbox and maybe a year before I just sort of pay them ad hoc. And then I said, no, I'm going to do payments on two days in the month, on the first day of the month and the third Friday. And so then setting up an autoresponder when people say- Do you have to give access to your employees to like the bank account or anything? Because that's common hang up. So it's only now that I fully delegate, I've got closer to delegating it, but at least sort of- Do you do that with credit cards? Yeah, so that's another thing. So giving employees credit cards to make small purchases. Anything under X dollars doesn't need to see my desk kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. And so just coming up with these policies, which again, we sort of kind of had a rule of thumb, but then it was like, okay, no, we're actually going to write this down, put this in a place where this is where you refer to them, basically. I think it only makes sense to do that once you start to see them recurring because there's a risk of systemizing too early, or I think you called it once that, you know, building plumbing before you need to. So we were at the stage where these are things which are coming up quite regularly. And so let's document them. What were you worried about? And what was your team worried about? I think they felt pretty okay with it. The big thing was, are we going to run out of money? Maybe. You're like, maybe, maybe we might run out of money. I don't know. See you guys in 90 days. I was like, go figure it out, guys. Yeah. I was like, unless something goes seriously wrong, then no. But something that we did develop specifically for this time off was a way of doing team meetings. So we'd sort of started to do them on an ad hoc basis. And then we started getting into doing them weekly, but we'd sort of put the agenda in the Google calendar and have a chat and you know maybe make notes if they were relevant. So when I was off, I didn't do those meetings, but the team followed it as normal. So they would write in this notion document. Hmm. Oh, I'll tell you a little bit around here. Blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, meeting happened on Monday morning. So when I got the chance on like Monday afternoon when my daughter was having a nap, I'd just go through and I'd just sort of scan and be like, oh, actually, okay, have you thought about this? Or I could just like leave little comments. Or if there was something quite urgent that the team didn't perhaps see as urgent, then I could just jump in and be like, oh, so I can just have a, can you just give me an update on this or like what, what's happening here? 
So that was a way for me to understand what's happening in the business in a way that didn't dramatically cause extra work for the team. Did the business get better or worse when you were gone? Some of the processes needed tightening. It certainly went fine, but yeah, but going back to that initial point of like, what role am I doing? I was like, oh, I'm being like the process architect or like the slightly technical person who's like knows how to link process street, which is what we use to Airtable, which is where we you know, keep a record of all our things. And I was like, oh, actually, that's a really good skill set to have. So the next person I hire should be really on like how to do automation between this thing. And so now I've hired someone and she's awesome. And so now whenever there's like a question about we need to update our workflows, the two account managers weren't that technical or they were you know, busy doing other things. And so I would be the one who was the technical support. And now our third employee is the technical support. So it's been, it was quite good at sort of surfacing up. What role am I playing? I was like, oh, now I'm paying invoices. I'm the finance role. My concern, Sam, would be like client sentiment, like retention essentially, and pipeline. How did those two things go over the 90 days? Yeah, so pipeline I accepted probably wouldn't fill. I was like, there's nine to 12 months of cash in the business. I'm off for three months. Yeah, I know that when I'm back, I'll have a bunch of ideas to get things going, but I will accept that the company won't get new clients during that time. With regards to client happiness and retention, the account managers know the client better than I do. And so I would sometimes note in the updates I was getting, oh, we're a little bit behind on guest booking for this client. And I'd maybe be like, oh, you might not see that as an issue, but I think that's actually, let's double down on making sure that we really nail it next time. Or, oh, we're having to, we're a bit late on making this social video because we've not heard back from the client on this. And I was like, okay, we're getting to the point where they feel like they're managing us and we're not managing them. So like, we're not quite delivering the service that we should be. So let's, all of us, all in, everyone really focus on making sure that for the next three weeks, we're going to be preemptive in everything that we do when it comes to making these social videos. And so I'd still be able to just like spot some of these things from what I was able to see. But I think, you know, I trust the team to know how to make clients happy and all those sorts of things. What surprised you the most about walking away for three months? How things did just carry on, really. And I sort of knew in theory that the business didn't need me. But seeing occasionally be CC'd on emails and like, oh, new clients, and you, know, you, see, you just sort of see client asks, oh, actually, we need to have got this special episode coming up. And then the account manager says, oh, yeah, don't worry, we'll do it for this price, et cetera. And, and just sort of like seeing these things happen, I was like, oh, I kind of theoretically knew this could happen, but it's actually happening. And this is really cool. In another couple of years, I'd hope to have tightened up a few things where it would continue to run better without me. But for now, at least, I was like, oh, it kind of does its thing, which is great. Yeah, I mean, it seems like you did a great job of like getting your staff ready in advance between the notion and your behavior on previous meetings leading up, like you kind of stepped a little bit into the background. You mentioned, I'm curious, you ended up having the four-hour work week, which is a very contentious issue in the business culture at large. Why is it contentious? I've heard two things. The two critiques are it's not really possible and it's not really desirable. I hear that at one a lot too. Who would only want to work four hours a week? What's your take yeah. on those things? Well, I think it's only possible if you put in the efforts to get things systemized. I don't think you can build a company on four hours a week 
I think that there's an upfront cost to get things to a place where you can work four hours a week. But from my perspective, yeah, there was, it was four hours. In terms of desirability, I mean, basically the way it worked was my daughter would have a nap in the morning. And so I'd like do a thing, whether that is like give some feedback on something or whatever. And then when my daughter wake up, we'd go off and we'd like go to a play park or like go and play the drums somewhere. And throughout the afternoon, maybe there's like the odd message that comes in or like Asana notification, I'd maybe like just reply to it on an ad hoc basis. What I liked about it was that I didn't feel completely disconnected with the business. I felt like I was still able to, I really enjoyed running the business. And so it was still, I could still think about it. I could still be present with my daughter and like have all the joy that comes from that. But I was still able to like think about this and work on this business, which I really enjoy doing. Now that I'm back, I'm also you know, back to working 25, 30 hours a week. And like, it's really fun. I enjoy it. So it's not like I necessarily feel like those additional 26 hours are a drag. But equally, you know, if I was to get it down to 10 or 15 hours and then spend that time, I don't know, learning the piano or improving my Danish skills, then I feel like I could get that sort of intellectual stimulation from other activities too. Well, Sam, thanks for sharing us. Cheers to the 25-hour work week. And less pithy, that one, isn't it? <laughs> Big shout out to Neil Callanan, founder of Loosegrip.net, and to Sam Floyd, the founder of CoFruition.com. We'd love to hear your experiences of taking a sabbatical, but ways you managed to time out from your business. You know the email address, dan at tropicalmba.com. We've got a lot of good ones coming down the pike. We use your emails inspire these episodes. We appreciate it. That's it for this week. We'll see you next Thursday morning, 8 a.m. Eastern time. Hey, thanks for listening to the Tropical MBA podcast. You can go to tropicalmba.com, get access to hundreds of back episodes and all kinds of other goodies. Load up your iPod. That is the cheapest way to fly business class on your next international flight. We will see you next Thursday morning. 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time.